Good evening, everyone, or good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is. Welcome to Sheep Out of Water. I am joined by my good friend, Chris. This is Jason. We're glad you're with us. Yes, we are. Chris, how you been? I'm worn out. Uh-oh. Just got back from Oklahoma City an hour before we started recording. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the travel wasn't too bad. Air- airports are... Pretty rough these days, and uh, I I was uh, pretty blessed. I didn't have any problems going out, and just a half hour delay coming home, so not too bad. How was the good old state of Oklahoma? Uh, I've never been. I mean, I drove through the Panhandle part of it one time back in 1998 on a cross country trip after college, and don't remember much of that, uh, just because it was you know an hour's drive, maybe 45 minutes. So yeah. Yeah, when I landed there, I was expecting to see kind of little foothills kind of stuff. Hell no. It is flat. Mm. I mean, flat. So anyway, kind of a a cute little city, I guess. Um, Didn't quite have as much to it as I thought it was going to, but that may be part of the charm. There you go. They had good food. Okay. And for guys, that's what's important, right? You got to have good food. Got to have the good eats. (laughs) Got to have the good eats. Well, I'm glad that you're here safe and sound. Thanks. How have you been? Good. Yeah, this week has gone by quickly. I am uh, trying to approach things differently. There's been, I don't want to call it, it's not an epiphany. It's more of, I think, an attitude check happening in that I am trying to focus on the simple good things that are happening throughout the day. I don't know if it's because the election season is come and gone or still upon us, whatever you, however you want to interpret it or whatever's going on. But I think during that time, you can, at least I know I can get, kind of get caught up in a lot of things that honestly I have zero control over and yeah. probably don't have a whole lot of impact on either. Yeah. So this week I've been trying to focus on simple things that are, are making the, the day a good thing. And it's been a, Touch and go. It's been good. It's been challenging. Still working on it, but that's been the week. I applaud you for your efforts to focus on the things that you can control and be grateful for those simple things. I have to keep telling myself that. And I mean, you you are a simple guy, so it makes sense. I that's very true. (laughs) That that is for those of you that don't know me, I'm about as simple as it gets. So there you go. We came up with the theme tonight of consequences of actions based on our upcoming readings this Sunday. And I would love to hear your take on why that theme is our theme. Well, I would say that from the way that I read it and reflected on it, uh, the readings for this, this weekend, I, it kind of is just Jesus laying it out there in his own words and through St. Paul uh, and also through um, the first reading, which is from Malachi. Uh, basically just saying you get what you give. And if you're giving the world a bunch of hurt, you're going to get a bunch of hurt back in this world and in the world to come. Um, you can kind of see that in the very first verses there where he says the day is coming blazing like a like an oven when all the proud and all the evildoers will be stubble. And that day 
and the day that is coming will set them on fire, leaving them neither root nor branch. And I think about right now, you know, uh, throughout most of the Midwest harvest season is just about done. You know, the the soybeans are definitely all up and the corn is just about up. And uh, I think about, you know, when we're driving down the, the road and you see all those fields that are newly harvested and you see this soybean stubble, you know, just a few inches off the ground or the corn stubble, maybe a foot or two off the ground. And this reading really spoke to me like that, you know, just imagining that the proud and the evildoers are all these dried out stubble. And then all of a sudden you set that on fire, the amount of like, rage and burn and smoke and hellfire that's happening uh, and it inspired me not to want to be a proud or a proud person or evildoer yeah i'd rather just be underground and be a seed waiting to sprout the next spring there you go the pride piece stuck out to me in malachi and i thought of it in terms of just this constant struggle with it and Kurt and I were actually talking about pride this evening. So I was like, hey, good timing. But in terms of consequences, when we give in to pride, and, and what I think of, when I'm, I guess the context of pride that I'm kind of getting at this week is this view of, look, the world is centered on us. Everything's about us. And that's how we view every interaction that we have. So, and, and I think if we're being honest with ourselves, at least I know if it's true of me more times than not if i'm interacting with somebody i'm i'm i've already pre-thought about what's happening or i'm trying to get the conversation to go somewhere or i'm i'm worried about not worried but i'm thinking about what's what impressions are being given about what i'm saying or what i'm doing or whatever and that's not really when you can flip the script and you're just present and actually just listening to people the conversations are so much more uh, beneficial. They're so much more engaging, but it's so hard to do that sometimes. And a lot of it is, it could be as simple as just busy schedule and you're just trying to get from one thing to the next and you don't stop and engage whoever it is that you're talking to. And and so when I can do that, I feel like, okay, I'm getting, I'm getting more out of it, but I'm also noticing that whoever I'm around is, is, being impacted a little bit more positively or, or you can kind of get body language signs that, Hey, wow, this, this person's engaged with me. It's, it's, it's a positive thing. Right. So I was thinking of consequences of actions that way and how much yeah. we choose to be present for the person in front of us in listening to what they have to say or, or whatever's going on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I focus on the negative because I'm a melancholic and tend to do that. But uh, the consequences, the actions flowing from, as you're saying, uh, you know, good and fruitful communication and taking the time. Uh, we see that too in the readings where St. Paul is saying, we've set this example for you. And because of that, there are consequences and they're good consequences. You've, you've seen what it's like to work, you know, uh, the second, um, Thessalonians 3, 7 through 12. We're saying, you're, we set the example. We were among you. We preached. We healed. We did everything that the Lord's calling us to do. And we worked because we weren't going to just kind of skate off you and, and do all this kind of stuff for nothing. That we actually were going to uh, be ready to set that example. And 
obviously that you'd hope that people would be following their examples. And if they did, then they would be setting good examples for other people and good things happen when that happens. Yeah. I, that reading, yeah, I always think about it in terms of, again, if you're trying to, I don't know, I guess I struggle a little bit. And like, if you're trying to set an example for people, then to me, you're, you're kind of missing the point in a way, but I don't think that's necessarily what Paul's saying, but no, yeah. I think we're, you're, you're trying to be that intentional by setting an example. That's not exactly what you're trying to get at. It's, it's how you live your life in front of others and, and to a point where you're not necessarily trying you've gotten to this right. point. It's right. working on virtues and all those kinds of things. And, uh, but that has this impact, it has these consequences on people in a positive way. Uh, you know, I also, <laughs> this whole idea of like what we say, what we do, how, how much it impacts people, how much we don't even understand how it impacts people. I, I've, I, I do this, I have this just amazing memory of Jackson when he was, oh gosh, five, four. I don't know what he was, but we, I, I this is how much we impact people. So we were, Karen and I were visiting uh, friends of ours. They were living in Virginia at the time and we, we drove out to see them and we are hanging out and Jackson's, you know, he's in, he's in another room and he's playing with toys and he's fine. And we're, we're in the, the next room over and we, we, for whatever reason, we, 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 we have uh, this best of Saturday night live video playing and it's this Will Ferrell skit where he's at dinner and he's the dad and they're having this very calm dinner. And then all of a sudden they get into this goofy argument as a family and it just escalates uncontrollably and goofy as, as Will Ferrell skits can. And there's somebody playing one actress is playing the teenage daughter and she's, I wish you were dead, both of you, you know, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they calmly start eating their food again, you know, and that's the whole premise of the skit. And of course we're laughing hysterically because we think it's funny. And so we move on, we have a good trip. We, we drive back and it's probably a couple weeks later and Kren was in grad school at the time. And I remember I, I'm feeding Jackson. And again, I don't know how old he was, I mean, he couldn't have been anyway, he was young and we had frozen taquitos for dinner. So he's eating taquitos and he and I are just eating dinner calmly. And he looks at me and he goes, I wish you were dead. And imagine Luke saying that to you. Yeah. Well, he does. Every once in a while. <laughs> but it's right. a joke. You know, yeah. I think that's probably where you're going with this. But it, I, it just came out of the blue. Yeah. And I, I reacted very quickly and I grabbed him and, and, you know, you don't say that to your dad and he's still got a taquito in his hand. I just remember the look on his face. He's just so surprised at my reaction. And I, I bring him, I think I brought him into his room and I sat him down and I just said, you know, you don't speak to people that way. You certainly don't speak to your dad that way, whatever, whatever the conversation goes. Uh -huh. And clearly there was a repercussion for what he said. And Karen comes back that night after class and we're talking, I'm telling her about it. We can't figure out what, what's going on. I mean, why would he even say that? Yeah. So, you know, we, we can't figure it out and it moves on. And a couple weeks after that, our friends come to visit us from Virginia. Now they're back in Indiana visiting us. And we're, we get onto the story of what Jackson said to me at dinner. And one of our friends just starts laughing uncontrollably. She's just dying <laughs> laughing. And I'm like, you know, it's kind of funny at that point, but then we're 
well, it's not that funny. And she's like, you don't know, you don't even know what's going on. Do you like, you know what he was doing? Like, do you remember when we were at our house, mm-hmm. we were watching that, that video and she had made that connection really quick that uh, he, he was just imitating. trying to imitate this video. Yeah. And in his five-year-old brain or however old he was, all he was doing at dinner was trying to make me laugh. Yeah. Right. right. One, that's how for new parents out there, like that, that is how sponge like your kids are. And you think they don't know what's going on, even in the other room. It's not like he was sitting there watching this Will Ferrell skit with us, but that's how smart, how quickly they pick up on things. And I always like to think about that as just this reminder of how much we impact people with our actions, our words, whatever it is, and that we don't even know about. Mm-hmm. And so you can, that can be a, a statement of warning if you'd like uh, to kind of pay more attention, it, but it could also be, Hey, if we live as, as Jesus has shown us to live by his actions and, and it's far more positive than it is negative, although he does certainly get in our grill as he does in this reading. But if we can somehow figure out how to live like that as much as possible, it, it has a tremendous impact that we'll never know. Yeah. You know, I know it's a long, weird story to get to my point, but there we go. No, I, I, I'm <laughs> totally with you because I, you know, you, you want so badly to be setting the example all the time. Not, well, if you're as long as you're not being prideful, it's not so that you can be looked at as, you know, the ultimate example of being a good father and a good, you know, husband and a good worker or whatever it might be. You just want it to be a habit of your life. And the way you live your life. Yeah. Uh, but the important importance of remembering that not just our kids are always watching and listening and learning, but God is always watching and listening as well. Yeah. Most importantly, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, another reinforcement to this point, I was at a, a state conference yesterday and leadership conference and one of the, the keynote speaker brought up this statistic and he, you know, it's a leadership conference and he's talking about you know, employee setting. And, he, and I think the stat was of whatever survey he had brought up, it was like 65% of actions of subordinates to supervisors are, are done out of mimicking their, their, their supervisor. Mm-hmm. So what he's saying is that, Hey, they're, they're going to mimic 65% of their actions based on you as the leader. So if you're taking, and he was making a point about taking, you know, being very too cautious instead of reimagining and all these kinds of things, because that was his theme. But that, that struck me too. Like, yeah, I mean, if I've noticed that, like I've noticed that of myself, I, I will take on sometimes behaviors of who I report to. And then I don't think I'm as aware of what maybe my staff or, or folks that work with me pull for me, but, you know, you can't argue with the stat he was throwing out there. And that's just in the work environment. Right. Right. So it's like, we, we really impact each other more than we know. Yeah. Yeah. The kid, the kids, the, even being a sibling, you know, if you happen to be a teenager, a college student, maybe one of the four that we have to listen to this, <laughs> to realize that your your siblings, your younger siblings, are watching too and learning from you, and and if they think you're cool, they're going to follow your example. Uh, and there's been some words that have come out of Luke's mouth that we know he didn't learn on the school playground. He learned them from his <laughs> older sister, 
sister, one in particular, <laughs> <laughs> who imitates her mother, who also has a foul mouth. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's in all stages, whether it's your, your boss or your sibling, parent, priest. That there's always an example to be set, an example to follow. And St. Paul is very clear saying, don't be, you know, I think the old translation used to say, you know, acting like busy bodies, not being, not keeping busy, but acting like busy bodies. Now it says by not keeping busy, but minding the business of others. You know, but the point is keep to your own business, do what's asked of you and more and get on with it. Uh and then it's interesting, though, you said the thing about relationships, too, because Jesus is saying in, in the gospel, you know, that there's going to be these relationships that we have uh, that we would expect to go one way, but they're going to go a whole nother way. Uh, and the other thing, too, I thought it was kind of uh, being a history buff is that um, this is talking about, you know, the, the wars that are coming Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be powerful earthquakes and famines and plagues from place to place and awesome sights and mighty signs will come from the sky. And today we celebrate Veterans Day, at least the day we're recording this. But Veterans Day falls on the end of World War One, which was November 11th, 1918 at 11 a.m. And I just wonder what Jesus, how much that hurt him, mm. you know, to see a war like that, any wars, but a, war, a world war like that one, where it was just so absolutely meaningless. And, and even the battles that took place, Battle of Mons that took place, you know, leading right up to 11 o'clock, people were getting shot and killed. And 11 o'clock happens, boom, guns go off. War's done. People walk past. I think there's a new movie out, All Quiet on the Western Front. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of just a really good job of just showing like the absolute meaninglessness of it all. Yeah. You know, I don't know how the heck I got into all no, that. No, but it made me think of something <laughs> that I read recently. You were talking about consequences uh, from World War One. It was something that Winston Churchill was saying, or and he had written a letter, and, and he provided this context of what the countries involved in the war, like what the attitude was, it was like an attitude of celebration. Like, Hey, we've declared war. We're going to celebrate. And they had this, this idea that it was going to last a couple of weeks and mm -hmm. people, yeah, some people would die, but we would have this great parade when people came back. And, but they didn't understand the impact of technology at that time and how basically this was the first war fought uh, with machines in a way Mechanized, right right and then the chemicals and all those kinds of things that were involved in the mass damage that those things they had no concept that that was going to happen and it turned into this thing that they were not ready for uh just yeah they're ready for war but they didn't realize the magnitude of of death the, this new technology and th these new things were going to create and i don't based on what he wrote it was almost like they didn't necessarily even intend it to do that but all of a sudden it was utilized that way and that made me think of you know this this attitude of you know our consequences you know we we create these things and we do all these things and we may have one reason for it and then all of a sudden 
you know, I was, we talk about this at work sometimes. What are, what can we predict the unintended consequences of, of making a decision? And in this case, he was, he was writing about that and how mm-hmm. uh, almost sad he was. And, and, and just, he was like, we were all like that. We all were celebrating the start of the war. And, you know, it, it's strange for me to be saying that now based off of all the death that happened from it. But, and that, that just was crazy to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, that they were celebrating it was going to be this, this, this issue of prideful nationalism and, you know, we'd be done in a couple of weeks and that was not what happened. No. And, and even like the theaters, uh, it, it would become like a theater of the battles, not necessarily world war one, but uh, you know, the revolutionary war battles, even the civil war battles, you know, people would be at their houses and they would, you know, watch these battles taking place in the fields, you know, and almost like sporting events you know, and cheering for their team. Uh, and, and it's so far removed from the gospel. Yeah, right. And to think about people, you know, it's, it's like the days of the gladiators. I get, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't even pretend to be sanctimonious here because look at us like UFC, boxing, NFL football, like, we're all still sitting in these arenas watching people beat the crap out of each other and cheering on our teams. It's just that those were obviously to kill. Those mm-hmm. wars were. And Jesus is very clearly saying these are going to happen and they will take place and it still won't be the time. You know, there'll be people trying to set this example, calling people to repentance and the time is now. Follow me. It's all over. And he says, don't listen to them. Don't follow them. You'll know <laughs> when I'm coming, when it's all about to be done, and there won't be any question about it. So live the way you're supposed to live. So good consequences flow from that in this life and in the life to come. Yeah. What I too in the gospel is message is strangely uh comforting in that look, he's saying all these things are gonna happen. You're gonna be persecuted because of me, all these things, you know even your closest family may turn on you because of me and that you believe in me. And and that's sad and, and, and awful in a way, but he's telling us, but not a hair on your head is, will be destroyed. Meaning look, the end goal is eternal life with me. And that's what I want for everyone. So if you stay the course and do the best you can to live like me for me, and ergo for everyone else, not yourself. You're you're not not a hair in your head's gonna be destroyed. Doesn't mean you're gonna not be persecuted by this world and the way this world views things and how it values things. That's on the contrary, we're we're gonna be up against that. But there is this thing of peace that I get by him saying, Look, just stay the course. I know it's hard, but th- you know what the end goal is here. And equally as, as positive for me was in the second reading where, where Paul was making a point to say, hey, look, work was important. We we work hard. We we want people to it's this isn't just something that we're gonna just talk about and expect people to uh take care of us because we're you know, I don't know, very celebrated people in the church or whatever it may be. And and that was good too, because it was a good message of humility, I thought. Yeah. So trying to find, I'm just trying to find, uh, I've been really trying to find the the love and peace 
or just the positive twist when, when Jesus gives it to us, right? <laughs> like he does here. Uh, again, if he's all love, then th- there's love behind this message. So I always try to, not always, I, I've been trying to m- be more intentional about trying to find it. And that's what I came up with. Well, you, and what you just said reminded me of a, uh, a quote. I don't think it was a prayer. It could have been a prayer, but it was a quote from uh, St. John Henry Newman. And he was basically just talking about how Jesus knows what he's about. And that was, that's the English, uh, like England, English, but it, basically like he, he knows what he's doing. He, he, he's got the big picture. He knows what he's doing. So as he's preaching this, as he's prophesying about what's going to happen, that this beautiful temple with all of its costly stones and votive offerings says not all of this that you see here, the days will come when, there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. So he's saying this to them, knowing full well in 70 AD, the Romans are going to come in and just obliterate the temple area. Uh, and that it would never recover still has not ever been rebuilt. You know, some people think that the, the wailing wall that's there in Jerusalem, they could say, well, there's still stones upon stones. It's actually a retaining wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that land, there is no stone. Jesus was absolutely correct. There's not a single stone left upon it from the original temple. But it wasn't the end. And he knew that in 72 AD, people who were following would have known about this and see that there's still this call to conversion, still this call to follow him, that he never stops calling us to follow him and calling us to conversion even on our deathbeds. Um Here's some more history. <laughs> I just finished uh, on the airplane coming back. I finished um, uh, listening to Hamilton. So I do audiobooks. The musical, time. right? Like you were saying. No, not the, the musical. And... Like the oh. real deal. <laughs> oh, so I thought I saw some some video of you on the plane, like people yelling at you to stop singing and <laughs> dancing. And... <laughs> Definitely not me unless somebody <laughs> spiked my water. Uh, but, but uh, you know, H- Hamilton even was uh, – trying to experience uh, not trying to he was experiencing a conversion on his deathbed um you know after he had been shot by burr and, and he even requested holy communion uh episcopal holy communion from two uh two different friends of his uh was denied actually because he had not been going to church faithfully and he would basically was shot in a duel and dueling was against the religion and so they regretted having to deny him uh holy communion but they basically said that he wasn't able to receive it uh outside of the the community and he wasn't able to receive it because he hadn't been practicing and even through all of that he didn't get mad and bitter he just basically said i understand your position um and I confess to the Lord, you know, that I never intended to shoot Burr, even though he shot me, hmm. and that he, you know, had, had been sorry for the things that he had done wrong, and that he was trying to put himself at peace with our Lord. Uh, so that's not to say, uh, not to, uh, you know, to, to, to canonize him, you know, to make Alexander Hamilton a saint, because he wasn't by any means, but it is to to show that people are called even on their deathbed to conversion and that 
they do. And so we can trust that his heartfelt conversion there on his deathbed and desire to be reconciled with Christ was good enough for Jesus and that he, after some purification, brought him into the eternal kingdom. There's one other consequence type point that, that I wanted to throw out. I know we're kind of running out of time here in a minute, but. Oh, wait, right before you do that, that okay. I had not finished. That. I didn't connect it the way I wanted to connect it. See my problem here. Boy, <laughs> we're going to call it enough. Oklahoma and jet lag. Yeah, I, my, my ears are all plugged <laughs> up. I can't hear through this. The headphones It's all <laughs> sounds like I'm in an echo chamber. No excuses, Chris. Just preach. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, you were talking about the hair on the head. So you will be hated all because of my name. Hamilton was hated by a lot of people, but not a hair on your head will be destroyed. So that's not, you know, it might seem to be confusing to the listeners. It, 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 in a very short amount of time, Jesus is saying not a hair upon your head, you know, is going to be destroyed. And yet here people are being destroyed and there's wars and there are famines. What happens in wars and famines and diseases and everything? People die. People suffer. People's not just hair is destroyed. Their entire bodies are destroyed. Their lives are destroyed. But the focus is obviously on our eternal life. So knowing that sufferings of this life, if lived out faithfully in, in holiness, can lead us to an eternal life where all of it will be reconciled and nothing will be destroyed in hell for all eternity, but everything will be brought together in fullness and wholeness with Christ in heaven. Done. Okay. <laughs> Amen to that. How's that? Now, the, the last thing, and it's more of something to chew on, maybe. And it's been kind of going through my mind. And you know, in terms of consequences, there, to me, there's consequences, and it's like a dichotomy. We we need to absolutely trust in Jesus, but if you just have that, you're going to be fine for sure. But but you have to do the work too, meaning. Look, if if you know, I walk by signs in our neighborhood sometimes, and it's just you know, just be kind, or you know, mm-hmm. just yes, absolutely, hundred percent with be you. Kind. But if you don't understand the the reasoning behind that, then it can almost almost be used as a weapon, or or you just kind of lose sight on on maybe some things that you could be helping out or whatever. But I guess where I'm going with this is. <laughs> We can. There's consequences to not knowing the why of things. So you know, there's consequences to. We can be so traditional in our in our thoughts and in in how we preach and what we say. Well, that's just the way it is. Well, no, like we do need to spend time to unpack things for people, mm-hmm. or at least give them context, and maybe better yet, propose a way for them to think forward on on themselves, instead of just saying, well just love Jesus and you're going to be fine. True, 100%, but there's work to be done in that, I guess. is, And so there's this dichotomy happening of, and I see it in the, in the history of the church and, and all these things where it's not a feeling, this faith. There's, there's an active part in it. And if you just kind of walk this world just in la-la land, yep, I believe in Jesus and I'll, I'll be well, and, and you don't take time to think and pray and engage the why of it 
Um, you, you, without guarantees that you're going to know, <laughs> you're giving all the answers to the questions you're asking, by the way. But I think it's, there's something about that that can have ill effect or unintended consequences if we, we're not ready to, to be able to explain, for example, like, hey, we're at a, at a mass or a funeral or, or we're at a public setting and this group of people want to pray a rosary and there's non-Catholics, like at least to provide a little bit of context to what right. a rosary prayer is just to get people to understand. You lose the, the, the consequences, you lose a, maybe an opportunity there to help plant a seed. Yes. Maybe an example. And so that's why we're called, I think, to do the work to, to at least be able to give a bit of the why. Yeah, and it's it's Catholic's responsibility. It's there for you. It's in the, the catechism, which you I know mm. read and loved. Something mm -hmm. that I devoured when I had my conversion and, and call to the priesthood. I mean, absolutely devoured that thing. I had multiple comments and columns on every single page. Yeah. Uh, and there have been some uh, folks that we know that had some beautiful and lasting conversions because they'd heard about Catholicism, they understood it, maybe they had some family members, you know, that, but for them to hear the why behind the what and to have some of their basic questions answered rationally and, and historically and, and even through prayer. Yeah. It's all they needed, and now they're living it out. And so I, I think you're absolutely right there that Catholics have to do the work so that they have the ability to say what it is that the Holy Spirit wants to say through them, the words that he wants to use right. in a convincing way. And the dichotomy to this is what Jesus, and maybe it's a good point to wrap this up on, what Jesus is telling us in the gospel, though, like, hey, don't go too far because you're don't worry about what you kind of have to say. The Holy spirit will do that. I'll my spirit will do that for you. So we can go too far and get so caught up in the why that we actually lose the relationship with Christ. And we lose the humility to be allowing ourselves to be used by the Holy spirit. Right. Uh, and that's right. the thing that, man, it's so hard to dance between those two things. And that's where the struggle is, I guess. But anyway, probably a good thing to wrap up on. Um, jump into prayer, I guess, because we're, we're running down on time here. So. Amen. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you uh, for all the blessings you bestow upon us. Thanks for the safe travels for Chris. Thank you for everything you've blessed us with this week. We ask that you grant us the wisdom uh, to try to foresee consequences unintended and intended of our actions, our words, and that we live lives that bring others to you through us. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, as well for my safe travels, as well as the travels of those with whom I was traveling. And I pray for all of our listeners, if they may be traveling this upcoming week, that they travel in safety as well. Pray that you help us to uh, be able to live out our call to holiness and our daily call to conversion, recognizing that within each of us, there are times of famine and feast. There are times of peace and times of war, times of health, times of sickness. And that through all of these different times in life that we can rest in the peace and knowledge and love that you know all things that you know what you were about 
and you know what you want us to be about and that you have a plan for us, a plan that means that not a single hair on our heads will be destroyed, especially if we live out our call to conversion on a daily basis. So we pray for the repose of all the souls of uh, those who died in World War One and the Civil War and Revolutionary War, World War II, all of our veterans uh, that have died. We pray that you may have offered them the opportunity for conversion if they needed it, that they would have died in peace and are now beholding you face to face. We pray all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us, everyone. God bless. God bless everybody.